Welcome to Heroes of Brand Protection Podcast, Episode 24. I'm your host, Daniel Shapiro, Vice President of Strategic Partnerships at Redpoints, the world's fastest growing digital revenue recovery platform with a mission to make the internet safer for both brands and consumers. In this podcast, we will share stories and insights from some of the leading experts in brand protection and anti-counterfeit from many different industries. We are so happy you could join us today, and please check out all of our episodes on www.redpoints.com forward slash podcast. Today, we are thrilled to be speaking with Jennifer Scoggin-Hanks, Director of Brand Protection at the American Peril and Footwear Association, also known as the AAFA. From an early age, Jennifer was determined to protect children's rights. Our guest worked in public and private sectors. She has held positions in the California's governor's office, a Washington, D.C. public affairs firm, CNN Worldwide, the U.S. Senate, the U.S. Department of Energy, and the U.S. Department of Commerce. Sit back and enjoy learning more about Jennifer's trajectory, as well as the wonderful work that the AAFA is doing for all of us. Well, Jennifer, thank you very much for joining us. We're excited to have you on our podcast today. Hi, Daniel. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to have the conversation. Well, I think maybe to get our podcast started, I thought maybe I'd ask you a question, which is, if you could be a superhero, which superhero would you be? (laughs) That's a great one. So my daughter is absolutely obsessed with Ladybug and Cat Noir right now. So if I didn't say Miraculous Ladybug, she might disown me. <laughs> Listen, the last thing you want to do is get in trouble with your daughter. So I think I think your selection is spot on. <laughs> it, it empowers young women and lets them fight for good and against evil. So I think that's something that we could all get behind. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So when you think about your career as you got into this space with the American Apparel Footwear Association, Throughout your different careers and different journeys you've had in your life's experience, is there a particular story sometimes when you're out with friends and you say, I'll never forget this thing that happened when I was, you know, early in my career or just last week? Is there a funny moment that happened to you that sort of stands out? Nothing that particularly stands out. I think that there are several things that have happened that are either dots connecting that have led to the journey where I am and, of course, people I think that something funny early in my career was when I worked in Governor Schwarzenegger's office, something that sticks out is that we would often try and find ways to make the press secretary laugh. So she would go on a trip with the governor or go on an international mission and we would come up with something to make her laugh. There was one time where we completely blew up balloons and filled her office floor to ceiling with balloons and a clear shower curtain. And when she walked in, would open her door and all the balloons fell out. So that's something that, you know, we were always up to something, finding ways to have fun and to also to make her laugh. We were in the office with the sun and didn't leave until late in the evening. And so sometimes had to find unique ways to to have a little fun. Absolutely. And and listen, I think that's part of work-life balance and trying to find ways to make people engage. So that's a great story. So as you think about how you got to where you're at today, tell us what you thought you wanted to do when you grew up. What did you want to be when you grew up? I knew I wanted to fight to protect kids. So I guess in some ways that still stands true, working as the director of brand protection. 
you were going to be a, a kid fighter, huh? <laughs> yeah, a child's rights advocate. Very good. That's awesome. And how did you decide to sort of get into this profession you're in today? Well, I think Steve Jobs said it best. It's that looking back, all the dots kind of connect to where you are. And I had lunch with a friend of mine who was talking about efforts that she had within her company to fight illicit trade. And I was giving her some ideas, things that she could potentially do to elevate the issue. And she ended up hiring the firm I was at to work with her and her company. And the more I learned about the issue, and now counterfeiting is one of the spokes of the wheel of the issue with illicit trade, it just kind of led me to working and seeing the position with AAFA. When I think about that path that you described and this journey that you're on, did it have anything to do with what you studied or how your first job got created? And how did you make this pathway from when you, I guess, maybe graduated college and you know took that first job? What was the path that you took to get there? Well, it all started with an internship at UC Davis. I walked into a career fair and there was an internship position that was being advertised to work at the chief clerk's office in the California assembly. I applied, got the internship, and essentially one thing led to another. I ended up working for a new member in California, ended up working in the California governor's office, decided to come out to D.C. and ended up working in the International Trade Administration with the Department of Commerce, worked at the Department of Energy, worked on Capitol Hill, worked at CNN, and went to a public affairs firm where I was before joining AAFA. So along the way, I have always fought to protect a brand, whether it's an individual, whether it's an issue, finding unique storytelling elements and ways to pull out why it matters to various opinion leaders and elected leaders, and then just trying to find ways to educate others about the issue and bring awareness to whatever the issue is, and now doing that for IP and brand protection issues. That's a great story. You know, I think about what you said. I often talk to young people who join our company, and sometimes they'll ask me, what's what's one of the most important things to do? And I always say to them, think about your own personal brand and how do you want to build that brand within the organization or within your career? And while we think of brands today in our current roles, you and I protecting commercial brands, but as you said, your journey started with individual, you know, helping people protect individual brands or build individual brands. But together, both are very important, whether it's your individual brand or a commercial brand. Right. And just around issues, too. It's not staying siloed within one specific issues, but it's also learning and learning from others uh, and ways to do things better and best practices. Yeah, that's great, Jen. And maybe for those who are listening to you and I this morning, share with the audience, what is exactly the AAFA? Where are they based? Where do they operate? So that everybody's familiar. Sure. So we're an association, American Apparel and Footwear Association, representing more than a thousand world famous name brands. We're the trusted public policy and political voice of the apparel and footwear industry. We represent 3 million U.S. workers, more than 350 billion in annual U.S. retail sales. And so I'm the director of brand protection. It's one of our three main pillars of focus at AAFA. I work with our four amazing co-chairs. I liaison with our Brand Protection Council with 400 members on issues related to IP and brand protection. 
Well, that's super impressive. And maybe share if it's okay to ask the headquarters for the AAFA is located where and you're, are you in DC? Yeah, we're in Washington, DC or right in the city, city center. So in between the White House, in between Capitol Hill, but we represent our members and we also go to where our members are. So we have a variety of events coast to coast really and internationally as well and virtually. Yeah, today, don't forget to go virtually today. <laughs> exactly. And if you had to describe the AAFA in one sentence, how would you describe the association? Hard to do in just one sentence, but I would say we advocate, we educate, we bring awareness to opinion leaders and elected officials. We act as a resource for members around issues related to products that we all use daily. They're the closest to our skin and they're sometimes surrounding some of the most important life moments. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And by the way, it's totally fine that you went over one sentence. I think that's two sentences or three is is perfect. So thank you very much. And when you think about your role today for the AAFA and the responsibilities that you have, what are some of the challenges that you face today in your role? Honestly, I think my biggest challenge right now is turning off at the end of the day. The brand protection issues are so vast. It's it's really the why is protecting consumers. And so the more that I learn about the blatant misuse of IP and where other tools can be implemented proactively online, where brands are having to reactively take down items, and it's a value chain of an issue. It's the fraudulent ads that are leading to fake websites, to the products that are posted online. I was talking with a member yesterday that this brand is going after a shoe that they don't even make that is being sold on platforms. And they have done takedown after takedown, both in fraudulent advertising and the actual item on the platform. They have someone that's tracking this specific item. And when you think about how to explain these issues to your neighbors, I think of our community, there's a senior center up the street. They created a program to help seniors in our community to shift to online commerce during the pandemic. And if you think about having to teach others how to navigate buying something online and going to a specific store and what they need to do to look. It's cumbersome for a brand protection specialist to navigate, but having to explain this to an average consumer and where we think that more could be done in a partnership, proactively verification of sellers and more that can be done there. Yeah. And it is hard. It is hard to help people, even sophisticated shoppers online today. I think of my kids who are in their late 20s and 30s. They have each bought non-authentic product and they are sophisticated online consumers, right? And it can happen to a sophisticated online shopper. It can happen to a a lower sophisticated or a new online shopper, as you described with seniors today. And I think one of the things that always intrigues me, I don't know if you've had this experience while you've entered this space, but the amount of whether it's marketplaces, social media sites in different countries, marketplaces we've never heard of until someone brings it up in a meeting and you said, where's that located? Does that happen to you today when you hear about these new marketplaces? Yeah, definitely. And I think that Carrie Campbell said it best, where we're kind of in a space right now where this is a law disruptive technology. 
and trying to understand what could be done. We know that some of the sellers are notoriously based in other regions and trying to understand where the item is coming from. And the interesting thing is that some of the products that are within the AAFA members' family, handbags, wallets, apparel, accessories, footwear, watches, jewelry, are among consistently the top items for CBP. Absolutely. And so just bringing more awareness to that and what we could do, I think is important as well. And you know this so well, you know, Red Points is a key partner for many of the brands in navigating this space. I remember you spoke at IACC and you showed a graph in terms of the products and how the counterfeits have grown during the pandemic based on your members. And that was just astounding to me that it's not just a siloed issue just for American Apparel and Footwear Association type products. It's toys, it's handbags, it's everything that you can think of, high dollar, low dollar amounts that really are out there for consumers to navigate. Yeah, it's not specific to any particular brand or any specific category. It is really comprehensive in terms of the challenge. When I think about, speaking of data released, I think the AAFA released a counterfeit study recently about the health and safety concerns. I thought it was a very interesting study. I thought, what are your thoughts on the the key takeaways from that study? Well, it's interesting. Thanks for bringing that up. And this is really the why behind solving this. It's for consumers. It's even just a small amount of a chemical or heavy metal, given that, you know, it's closest to your skin presents large dangers for consumers. And we tested 47 products out of that, 17 of those products came back either with heavy metals or chemicals. And that's important for consumers to understand when consumers think that they're just clicking on a product that is the cheapest product because counterfeiters don't make the safest product that they could. They care about making the cheapest product. And so out of those 47, 17, 36% failed to comply with U.S. product safety standards. They included dangerous levels of arsenic, phthalates, lead. Arsenic is recognized by the WHO as one of 10 chemicals of major health concern. So this is really why consumers should be more aware of this. And it doesn't just cheat a brand, it cheats workers, it cheats consumers, and it's dangerous, and it's a huge health and safety concern. Yeah, and I fully agree, and I think that the problem is significant, maybe even more significant than your tests revealed, you know, depending on the products that you got. But I think that the challenge for is obviously for consumers, but the challenge is for brands because sometimes a a consumer believes it's the brand's fault, it's their product, and Mm -hmm. no longer wants to do business with that brand or leaves negative social media posts or comments that are detrimental to the brand's reputation, right? Because they don't know that it's not the brand, right? So there are complex issues to how these things challenge companies for sure. Right. And that's exactly how some of our brands have figured out that they have had counterfeit products out there. It's by consumers contacting them saying that they didn't receive a product. And brands have had to make heavy investments allocating resources for consumer awareness around specific 
products or platforms, some even going to efforts to get money returned for consumers. But it's a huge issue for brands, brand protection-wise, image-wise, but then also for consumers who think and know this legacy brand accidentally click on a fake advertisement, click on a product that isn't even authorized to be sold on a platform. And it's large brands, but then it's also small brands. We've had a small business out of California who brought issues to us that they only sell their product on their website. They don't sell it anywhere else. And they're having fake profiles that are claiming to sell their product, which are counterfeit, which is an issue. And if large brands have the resources to address this and are having a hard time navigating, imagine a small business allocating resources and having to tackle this where they don't have the contacts to be able to go to whomever at the platform to ask for help in unraveling this. It's a large issue for both small and medium-sized companies. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, one of the things I know is one of your main projects or certainly a key project that you're working on is helping guide the thoughts on the Shop Safe Act and the Inform Consumers Act. Maybe share a little bit about what is the position of the AAFAS regards to those two acts that are currently being reviewed by Congress. Sure. So they are each important. They each address various issues of counterfeits and illicit items that are navigating online. Without ShopSafe, e-commerce platforms are not held liable for selling counterfeits, and they threaten the health and safety of consumers. That bill specifically targets illegitimate sellers. It doesn't target small businesses or individual sellers. And it also includes a series of best practices that have been outlined in several government-issued reports. And without informed consumers, law enforcement lacks the vital tools to go after criminals. So just as brands need the partnership of platforms and law enforcement to address the proliferation of counterfeits, we also need more tools to help and have that partnership as well. We're only asking platforms to adhere to what brick and mortar sellers do daily. And that's something that many consumers may not be aware of, is that rules and regulations of brick and mortar stores are different from what you buy online. And so that's what we're hoping with each of these measures to bring some of those protections and partnerships to brands to help fight the issue. Yeah, they're good for the commercial brands for sure. And I know other associations that we work closely with are also focused on helping move these across the table or across the finish line for sure. Right. There are two coalitions that we're a part of, each addressing each of the pieces of legislation. And for Shop Safe, there are over 30 wide-ranging industry partners asking Congress to really look at this measure. And it's, as we talked about, it's not siloed just to American apparel and footwear products within our membership. It extends to toys, as we mentioned before, to airbags, to water filters, to toys, and everything in between. Yeah, for sure. When you think about some of the challenges you see in the brand protection space, specifically for the apparel and footwear industry, where do you see some of these big challenges going in the next six to 12 months? 
Well, it's really hard to navigate all of the different issues, but I would say that one of the things that we're watching is how Russia is going to act in terms of bad faith marks. So there are several Ross Patton cases that should be coming that could help us understand more in terms of counterfeits and bad faith marks. I think definitely more work with platforms, Congress and regulators, and trying to bring more awareness to the value chain that we've talked about. So fraudulent ads, fake websites, um, and then, of course, the counterfeit products on platforms. As brands have to act in a -a whack-a-mole fashion retroactively, I think that there's a lot more that can be done. I think that we just talked about shop safe and inform consumers. Those are two vital tools that are needed now to help protect consumers. Other issues, organized retail crime, the smash and grabs, I think working with lawmakers to bring more awareness to that and fighting for what could be done independently of the legislation. Bad faith marks, not just in relation to Russia, but what could be done here in the United States and regions around the globe NFTs and metaverse are another issue that there are court cases that are happening. There's also a report that's coming out of USPTO next year that could help us understand a little bit more in terms of regulations in that space. And then just communicating constantly with our members and understanding what issues are top of mind for them or what they're starting to see, including service providers as well, as you likely learn more before brands do as well. Yeah, and you you mentioned consumers several times as you were uh, describing some of the challenges. What are the steps you think consumers should be thinking about to verify that they're buying a legitimate product online? Some ways are, um, so we have a kind of a checklist on our website that really helps to kind of navigate this. And you would go to AAFA Fight Fakes, so aafaglobal.org backslash fight fakes. Some of the solutions are going to a brand store on a platform. So you would click on the name of the brand that you're actually buying from. So you could buy directly from that brand on the platform. It's seeing who's selling the product, where's the product coming from, what do the reviewers say, is there an image that shows the actual product that's delivered to one of the reviewers, and are there any description flags, are there misspellings, does it say replica, does it say inspired, what are some of the things that are said within that description that could help you understand more, and I think that those are, those are some of the key tools. Well, thank you for sharing, and thank you for providing a good resource for those listening today who may want to check out the resource that you have on on the AAFA website, so that's fantastic. And is there a, you know, sort of a common myth you think about in your profession or field that we think we should debunk so that we don't put everybody at one size shoe? I think probably the myth that is out there is that it is only for luxury items, that it really, as we talked about it, it extends across the gamut. And it's not just siloed to a certain industry, that it's wide ranging. I think the other thing that we have helped to debunk are counterfeits safe, and they're not. We've seen that in our counterfeit study, the dangerous levels of chemicals and heavy metals that were in the tested products. 
And that's exactly why we're part of coalitions. We're bringing awareness around shop safe and form consumers about the dangers and the money behind why some of these things are done as well. Yeah, very good. Those are good things to uh, debunk so that everybody's on the same page for sure. I'm not sure if you know Paul May. He's the VP of creation and product at USopoly. He's a, a long-term toy executive in the toy business and their company licenses the Monopoly game for USA. But he had a question for you when we did our last podcast, which was, how are you operating today, maybe differently in the current environment as working conditions have changed, more people are working from home or et cetera? What, what kinds of challenges do you see? I would say that it's probably allowed me to be more intentional more deliberate, more efficient. So rather than having something just happen, you need to intentionally make a point to allocate time or to ensure that you're organized and you reach out to have that conversation. I would say more one-on-one outreach, which is super helpful. I would say also the screen sharing. I have learned and seen so much specifically from our members that may not have had the opportunity to do before the pandemic, where I'm actually able to see how they navigate some of these brand protection tools, where they're able to go through following an ad to where the website goes. I could see what they need to do to take down the items. And so I think that that has been super helpful. But I will also say on the flip side, you know, personally, I would say that it has allowed me more time in the day as well when I'm not in the office to be able to to walk my daughter up to the bus stop, to pick her up after school and to have more time during the day to get involved in what's happening with her, to get involved in our community. And that's been really important as well. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great sort of summary. I think for a lot of people, they've become in a sense, more focused and at the same time, you know, around the family more. And I think it's been a, it's been okay. It's been okay. What advice would you give to someone who wanted to pursue, maybe a young person who wanted to maybe take a career path similar to yours? What would you suggest to that young person today who's just graduating college or or whatever, or dreaming of doing something you're doing? I would say be curious, learn as much as you can, do things for others without expecting anything in return. Even if you can't afford to necessarily do a specific program, I would say, you know, in school in terms of studying abroad or coming to DC, taking a semester. But I would say also so many of those early jobs teach you so many underpinning values that are important in your professional career, customer service, learning how to prioritize. So I I was a waitress in college and through high school and understanding what you needed to do when somebody is finishing a meal, you needed to time it to where you could bring out the dessert exactly on time. And so that really helps to navigate seeing ahead but then also anticipating what your customer needs. And I would say that a lot of those skills help today, trying to see potentially around the corner about some issues that could impact our brands at AAFA and just hustle, work hard, and that will really be valuable. 
Yeah, listen, I think that's a, a good series of advice for, I think, all young people thinking about a career, just about anything, right? I mean, those skills and those ideas you share, I think, are very, very valuable. When you think back about how you got where you are today, is there anyone who inspired you specifically in your career? And if so, who was that? There are so many people that inspired me along the way. I would say probably my first boss in politics. She was a member who really cared about her constituents. She represented her district, understood what was needed for her constituents. She also was the same person pushing the vote button on the assembly floor as she was grabbing coffee outside, or actually it wouldn't be coffee. It was diet Dr. Pepper. So I think that she was probably somebody who really fundamentally, personally, and professionally shaped me and also was an advocate on my behalf, pushed me to do things that I may not have ordinarily done and created opportunities. And then everyone kind of along the way, there are so many mentors that I've had and friends and family. My mom was a single mom and worked two and three jobs um, supporting my brother and I. And so I think that there are so many people that have touched me professionally and personally throughout my career. Well, Jen, those are great stories I think about for young people. People are always looking for someone to maybe to inspire them. But I think as you get a little older and you look back like you just did, it's pretty easy to spot the people that were important in your life that helped you get to where you are, both professionally and, as you mentioned, family. Sometimes when you're in that career building, you can't quite see it. And then as you get a little further on the career path, it all becomes a bit more clear. Exactly. Yeah. So, Jennifer, maybe we'll sort of, as we get to, to wrap up, the person whom we'll be doing a podcast with, our next guest, is going to be Colette Durst, Vice President and Chief Trademark Counsel at 3M. What would you like to ask her or something we should learn about Colette? Sure. So I, I would just ask, what's the value of giving back both professionally and personally? Well, that's a good question. We'll make sure we ask her when we start our next podcast. Thank you, Jen, for sharing your time with us today and all of the insights you provided about your own personal career and your journey and the people who inspired you as well as the challenges facing the AAFA. So we thank you for your time and it was great to get to know you. Thanks, Daniel, so much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate Red Points putting together this podcast. It's a great series and honored to be invited. Well, it was very interesting to learn about your journey and the insights in brand protection space. There are a few things I'd like to highlight from our conversation with Jennifer. Number one, when looking at the data from AAFA's counterfeit study, Jennifer identified out of the 47 counterfeit products they tested, 17 were found to have heavy chemicals or metals. As a result, counterfeits can be a clear threat to public health and safety. Number two, Jennifer comments that counterfeits are not only a health risk, but can also be detrimental to a brand's reputation and revenue. In addition, they pose a significant environmental risk as well. Number three, Jennifer feels it's important to debunk the myth that counterfeits are only present in luxury brands. Any brand, regardless of their size or industry, can be affected by bad actors online. That's it for us today. If you've liked what you've heard, check out our next inspiring story from another hero of brand protection. 
You can also follow us on all of our platforms, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music, as well as Twitter and LinkedIn. Make it a good day. <laughs>